this SDR role specifically, like, you're not going to be very successful if you're not somebody who's just going to like, you know, go, 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 go. There's a lot of activity that you need to do. There's a lot of rejection, of course. And so the people who are just going to push through it and keep going, like they're going to be, you know, more successful at the end of the day by far. Hi there. Welcome to On The Flip Side, a podcast for anyone who wants to live their best sales life. We're going to be talking to buyers, sales managers, SDRs, and A's about things like, what does it take to be a great sales manager? Or how can you go home happy month after month? So let's dive right in. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of On the Flip Side with Wingman. I'm Kushal, and today's episode is going to be all about sales development, how SDRs can level up, and life beyond sales. And that's why I'm so excited to introduce our guest for today. I'm joined by someone who's made a career out of sales development, worked at some top-notch sales tech companies, and currently leads on sales development at Mosaic Tech. Matt, welcome to the show. Excited to have you here. Thank you for having me, Kishal. I'm really excited to uh, be chatting with everyone as well. So just to start off, I'd love to understand from you, how has sales development really changed or evolved over the past few years? And especially given how the world scenario has been in the past one or two years. Yeah, so... I think, you know, high level, like how has it changed over the last few years? When I first started my time in sales development with MyCase, which was a company that used to be owned by Outfolio. They recently were actually just sold to um, another company, but it was very much heavy on like, you know, the webinar leads, the up on inbound demo requests. And we always talked about doing a lot of the outbound type work with, you know, cold calling and writing, you know, cold email scripts and we weren't really allowed to do that. So it was just tons of webinar follow-up, tons of HQL, SQL, inbound lead requests, things like that. And so that's sort of in my head, you know, what I thought of as like the SDR role. Did that for a few months or a little under a year and then moved over to the account executive role. By the time that I came back to sales development, it had been four years or so. So a lot had changed for sure. And I, I started at Chili Piper as one of the, there's three SDRs at the time. And it was the exact opposite. And the reason I wanted to go to Chili Piper was they really took a lot of that manual work out of uh, that role that I had done, you know, three or four years earlier, which was following up on these inbound leads and, you know, people that are showing interest from your demo request page. And it was strictly outbound. So it was exactly what I had, you know, thought of a sales development role in, in you know, the past and, and was really excited about that opportunity. And so just, you know, right then and there, I think I got to notice many changes. And again, I had a big kind of break in between. There's about three or four years where I wasn't involved in uh, tech sales specifically. Uh, and so during that time, another thing that was very different was like LinkedIn and content and all that around sales development specifically. I was really fortunate when I joined Chili Piper, Michael Tuso was there, who is, you know, maybe you call a thought leader on LinkedIn. Uh, and had a lot of experience and, and learnings and teachings and experience that they could share with us. And because of that, I think I was able to sort of like fast track those last few years that I was in uh, sales development and catch up on, you know, what was going on, whether it was books to be read, webinars to watch, people to follow on LinkedIn. Again, there was just so much more content around like sales development and how to have a cold call and how to prospect smarter and build lists better and faster and be more efficient with your time. Exactly. Yeah, no, totally. And based on that, again, like I was able to kind of just flourish from, from Michael's teachings and from everything else that was out there. And you can really be a sponge, you know, and, and just absorb everything that's out there and, and put it into practice, which is really fun. So I'd say like, to me, that was sort of like the biggest thing that I saw change over, over the last few years was just the amount of stuff that was there to help sales development. And I think a lot of people, you know, in the past, you used to just stay internal uh, in your organization to get what you need to know to do the role. Nowadays, that's not true. I think the you know the best ones are the people who are out there looking 
uh, for best practices everywhere, whether it's, you know, outside their industry, even you can take a lot of things and kind of apply it to your industry, but there's just a ton of content. It's like just the number one thing. As far as recently, you know, obviously COVID changed a lot of the sales world. I can tie it sort of back into Chili Piper again. Uh, I joined Chili Piper, which is a fully remote company before COVID. Um, again, tying it all the way back to my case before that, we used to always, you know, go to lunch and talk about, oh man, why do we have to go back to work? Like we already did everything we need to do. We followed up with all your leads. You've, you know, called those people six times. They hate you. They don't want to like pick up. So what do I have to go back for like four hours for? And so when I had the opportunity to work remotely and I saw how much more efficient you could be with your time and, and really plan your day the way that it kind of works best for you. Like for me uh, specifically, I was much more of a night owl. I always had been. And so I would do a lot of my prospecting like late at night and wake up in the morning, you know, respond to emails, make calls. And then to that middle of the day, I sort of had free where I could go to the grocery store or I could, you know, go grab like a long lunch with somebody because I knew that I was going to go back later and have that like prospecting. So um, I think it really allowed me to like own my day and, and sort of have, you know, time management skills for sure, but like something that works a little bit better for me. I felt more productive. And so I was really excited at the opportunity that I was able to work remotely in a sales role. I know a lot of people also said like sales is one of the things that you couldn't really do remotely because you have to have everyone together. And no doubt it does help to like hear people talk and talk tracks and, and you know, swing around and ask someone a question when you're on a call or write an email. But I still think again, like if you're a motivated person who is excited about, you know, just opportunities in general, like you're going to be okay. And, and it really allows you to kind of control that day. And so I saw, you know, firsthand how well it could, it could work as a remote sales team or organization. And then, you know, COVID comes along, the whole world changes. And I think uh, a lot of other companies saw that like, yeah, you can still be productive in a, in a remote environment as a sales team as well. So how has it changed? I think it's made people much more collaborative and communicative. I think you have to, because you're not right there next to each other. So when something's working, you're really kind of, you know, siloed if you're not responding to Slack or calling people up on Zoom or chatting with them. So I think it's made people share a lot more, which again, is more collaborative and a better teamwork sort of environment. And again, I think sales is also one of those very easy things to kind of pigeonhole into like, it's all just about individual, you know, numbers and no one really helps each other. But I think COVID has uh, kind of changed that a little bit more. So there's just some of the few things I've noticed and I feel like I've been rambling. <laughs> it's a good thing. It sounds like technology is probably, you know, you're probably a fan of technology, right? Both you work with tech companies and because like you said, sales has become so much online today. What is maybe your favorite sales tech stack, um, you know, in your talkbacks for communicating yeah. externally or internally? Yeah. So uh, again, I think I've been really fortunate with both uh, the most recent organizations I've been with that they've had a very strong tech stack. And so, you know, obviously some sort of CRM, I'm uh, pretty good at Salesforce just because I've used it for long enough. But I know like, you know, there's plenty of CRMs out there that are great. And then the sales engagement tools, that's also something that's completely different from when I was, uh, you know, first starting at my case, like we didn't have anything. We sent things out of Gmail, had a lot of templates that you would shoot over. So like having, you know, a sales offer and outreach is like a total game changer for sure. Just again, allows you to really track everything so much easier. Efficiency is kind of like the name of the game when you're doing sales. And this is like, you know, everything that you could need uh, and more. And so you can really like nerd out and, and dive as deep as you want to into making whether it's automation or looking at your reporting just to see how like certain, you know, emails are, are working and what's successful and what's not. Um, I think a lot of sales development is also about like testing things out. I think it's very similar to like marketing where you're, you should always be like A-B testing, making sure you're doing the best uh, possible work that you can. So yeah, so some sort of sales engagement tool. I think another uh, really useful one obviously is when you mentioned like communication tools. 
having Slack and Zoom. And I'm one of those people that like grew up, we just talked about my phone being gone. So this is sort of a pain, but I, I was always texting. So like texting, AIM, um, if, if people remember like the AIM chat. Yeah. And so Slack for me, like I'm, I'm living on Slack constantly, whether it's just like chatting with someone about their weekend or, you know, purely work stuff. So Slack for me is like crucial. Zoom is obviously great uh, because it gives a little bit of that human element, but at the same time, I know Zoom fatigue is super real. I've had, you know, the, the weeks or the months where you're on Zoom like six, seven hours every single day and, and the last thing you want is Zoom, but um, still has its time and place. A few other tools, I mean, like Zoom Info, Lead IQ, we're testing Apollo right now, Lucia, a lot of this stuff, again, kind of going back to like outbounding and working in those cold leads, like it would be probably impossible to be successful and again like optimize your day-to-day if you didn't have those sorts of tools and then to be honest like you know your product and and the gongs and the things that kind of do kind of pull you back again into that sales floor because to the point that we talked about like i think the biggest thing that you miss outside of just like human connection uh, by being in an office is that like sales floor hearing what like people are saying i remember you know some of the best things that that we said at my case were just things that you hear someone else say over and over and over and you could like get that down like oh wow that works really well and you could sort of like tell based off of their sort of cadence and their conversations like when they're going to pitch or when they're going to close or when they're going to do something just because they had that like repetition and so the tools that allow that to happen again still in a remote environment and it does are key so i guess technology like you said is really key um to how sales development happens and you know it's an important part of the picture but beyond just the tools right what do you think are really the fundamental skills that someone needs to master really in order to do create and sales development yeah that's a good question um we used to do like a three question video at chili piper about like you know what makes a successful sdr and, and you'd hear all sorts of things but the ones that sort of always stick to me and, and what i would agree with and they're pretty in the first one being like the most basic of like grit and and i always say like it it's brought up all the time because it's true whether you want to call it like persistence and, and grit or tenacity like this sdr role specifically like you're not going to be very successful if you're not somebody who's just going to like, you know, go, 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 go. There's a lot of activity that you need to do. There's a lot of rejection, of course. And so the people who are just going to push through it and keep going, like they're going to be, you know, more successful at the end of the day by far. Absolutely. Right. Like it's, it's, it's anything that you're doing. A lot of people who want to just kind of give up when things get tough. And there's other people that say like, whatever it is, what it is. And I'm going to, you know, just kind of go with the flow and keep going. Uh, So there's people who give up and then there's SDRs. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's one of my quotes. <laughs> the the other part being like you talk about, you know, sequences or cadences and and it's not just emails, it's not just phone calls, it's not just LinkedIn, it's you know, a mix of all three. And the persistence part of that being like you can't just hone in and, and hope that one is gonna overpower for the others because you're trying to find like what channel that person communicates on and you know, people are different. And so some people are, you know, like me, like I'm not gonna pick up a ton of cold calls, but if it's a good know email or linkedin message i'll respond whereas there's people on the opposite side of the spectrum that immediately delete any email they don't know they're you know not connecting with the person that they've never heard their name but they get a random phone call and they'll pick it up so if you're not doing all three of these you know like multi-thread or you know even hitting people up on twitter or sending them some sort of message like in the mail you just need to find where they communicate and so doing that like persistently like that's also you know crucial to being successful the other one that's also you know, talked about a lot, is, a lot of times the SDR role is like pretty green and, and you get young people who are new to the space. So like they have to be, you know, curious and they have to take feedback well and be coachable. That's the only way they're going to get better. And and if they're, you know, someone who's very stubborn and 
just going to do it their way, like that's not going to work out very well at the end of the day. So yeah, whether they you know are a constant learner, it's also extremely important. And then the last one that I would say now in this goes into sort of like what we've noticed changing. And again, that goes into like the content stuff. I think being like creative because you're, you know, not only are you reaching out a lot and dealing with a lot of rejection, but you're also trying to just break through the noise. And there's a lot of noise out there and people are getting blasted with a lot of messaging. And so if you're someone who's sort of creative or thinks outside the box or has fun with it, like I think you're always going to do a little bit better. So I guess to kind of tie it together, I'd say, you know, like grit, coachability, and creativity. I'd say those are those are three that come to mind today. The holy grail. Nice. I've also heard talk of how SDRs are actually more suited to sit within marketing than in sales lately. Um, wonder what is your take on this? So that's a great question as well. I've I've actually done multiple sides multiple times. So I've reported to marketing, I think two or three times, I reported to sales two or three times. I I don't I don't feel strongly one way or the other. I think it's 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 all dependent on the organization, the way it's being run, what the the actual focus of the SDR org is, whether it's you know, purely just pipeline, if it's a mix of pipeline and brand building, like I, I don't know. There's a lot of different things that I think you can take with the role. I personally, like I said, just depends on what the leadership team wants to do and, and if it's, you know, run well, it's gonna be run well. But I also do think, you know, I think there's more on the sales side. But yeah, I'm I'm completely in the middle. I'm lukewarm on on taking one side or the other. Got it. Where do you think things sometimes break as someone who kind of works right in the middle, right between marketing sales, somewhere there? What do you think is the thing that really breaks the most between marketing and sales and all of these customers? Sorry, what's the, what's the question again? So what do you think really breaks like, you know, is where do things go wrong, for instance, um, in so many cases between marketing and sales? What is that friction point? I'd say, again, it, it always ties back to communication. I think I've seen a lot of marketing and sales teams work really well together. And those are the ones I think that like overly communicated, regularly met, collaboration was high. And and you sort of see like the whole big picture again. It's not the like us versus them or, you know, like reporting metrics and saying like, well, marketing is doing this and sales is doing this. Someone needs to pick it up and, and kind of battling them together. But instead pulling everyone together and saying, you know, we're all growing in the same direction and, and sort of building that like higher, you know, higher level reasoning. So communication is key there. I guess a lot of that would actually then come down to the company culture, right? To how the company sort of sets that in terms of responsibilities or, you know, what how everyone's supposed to be working together. Yes, absolutely. I think I think that's really key. Having just like a common theme across the board of collaboration or teamwork is is gonna make like every department work better for sure. But to the point of your question, like I've I've seen multiple times where they're battling right and it's always head to head and and the department heads are not getting i think that's the other thing is if you can see the like leadership above getting along really well i think it just kind of trickles down to the rest of the team so if like the sales leader and the marketing leader don't connect and they're not you know communicative and they are sort of feeding into this like yeah us versus them mentality then it's just going to be a mess throughout but if, if they're both you know close and they're working closely together and sharing kind of what's on each other's plates constantly and and running campaigns together i think you know for instance we have like a marketing sales sync in like a few hours super helpful it's you know what's marketing up to what sales up to how can sales help marketing how can marketing help sales these are the kind of things that you know the more conversations you have that again are, are everyone rowing in the same direction rather than us just spinning in circles. Like I think that's how you build like a, a good culture and, and, you know, cohesive environment for the two teams to sort of exist and work with each other. Got it. 
So just to kind of switch tracks a bit and actually rewind a bit as well. You've studied film and media as well. So how did the switch sort of go and has there really been anything that you've been able to carry on into your work here? You talked about creativity yeah. earlier. Yeah. So I that's a really good point. So that was I still remember I, yeah, I went to school. I was gonna study history. I saw everyone lining up for a film and media like course and, and said like, Oh, I love movies and I always loved uh, sort of like screenwriting and you know, writing creating stories. So I hopped in and and then that's sort of just where I led. And I went actually to LA for about a year after and worked in the film industry and loved it, loved all the people, but I just didn't really like LA a whole lot and didn't like sitting in traffic and just, you know, not my realm. And so I came back to where I went to school, which is Santa Barbara, and all my friends had just graduated and they were going into tech roles. And there's a few cool startups in the area. And, you know, I came back for a little bit and was just pouring wine because I had, you know, serving and, and bartending experience and saw sort of like what they what they are up to and wanted something different. And so they got me an interview and I, you know, kind of all fell in place from there. So I'd say to how does like the film and media sort of work still in this world? Exactly like you said, I think creativity, I like thinking outside the box messaging. I mean, there are a lot of the courses that I took were like theory based. So it wasn't as much, you know, I wasn't at like UCLA or USC where I'm making movies the whole time. It was a lot of you're watching things and digesting them, whether it's like advertisement. So there was a lot on like the media side. I think that helped just, uh, you know, from like the sales perspective as well as, you know, writing, like I was writing a ton. How has the role changed a lot? Like, you know, LinkedIn and cold emails, um, cold calling still obviously is very large, but there's a lot of like written communication and stuff these days. And, and also videos as well, right? That's why you have like your vidyards and your looms. And so I think just kind of, holistically it was a lot of just theory and thinking and how do you capture people's attention how can you stand out how can you do different things and so i'd say that ties into it a little bit and to that same point like when i see someone who has an english degree or some sort of thing where i know they've been writing a lot like i'm always a little bit more excited because i'm like oh they're probably gonna write killer like cold emails or at least you know be able to form impactful sentences and paragraphs and, and know how to like tell a story got it yeah i guess sales is ultimately about telling the right story right and kind of hooking people in and i guess kind of staying you know updated on what's happening in terms of film and culture is probably one of the best ways to stay creative as well and i think that's true for marketing content sales really i think for anyone who wants to stay interesting and know how to grab attention at the end of yeah, the day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Michael, also the founder of Pair. Can you tell us a little bit more about this? Yeah, so that's a project that my friend and I started. We went traveling together. Uh, went to Europe for about three months, came back, wanted to create something. Again, the creativity part, whether it was like a, a book or a movie or something. And we went to a good friend's graduation. Uh, college graduation it was a little bit later for them to graduate and my friend that i was traveling with his mom brought over a few like little positive prompts for all of us to respond to because she used to do them with my friend when he was a child and we passed them around and there was you know age range from i think like 14 to 70 years old and everyone got a little card and they said things like you know something that i appreciate about the person on my right is blank like one thing that makes uh, this moment priceless is blank something i'm looking forward to in you know the next month or so is blank. And we just sort of had this really, really powerful conversation and a lot of people opened up. And again, it was just, some of us were strangers. Some of us were very different age range, but everyone like kind of got together and shared this really cool moment. So we looked at each other and like, well, maybe this is what we we should be creating. 
because uh, we had met so many amazing people while traveling and you know sometimes you just meet them for an hour or two and you feel like you get their life story and there's like really cool moments that were shared so we decided to make a set of cards essentially and, and we thought it would be like a just like a you know a family game or something for people to have like with their wine or something and so it stands for positive engagement and response and the whole thing is like you know you're, you're just learning about each other and you're having conversations and they're all positive, hopefully. Uh, if not, like that's fine too, but you're just sharing real moments. And uh, so then we did a Kickstarter, we raised $20,000, built, you know, 5,000 sets. And then again, we thought it'd just be a fun little game. And a lot of our teacher friends and therapists and things like that reached out and said like, wow, I'd love to have this for my classroom or, you know, to, to use this with um, clients. And also a lot of like family members want to use it with their children because they're sick of, you know, their kids giving the one word answers like, how's your day? Good. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. And so we you know, started selling sets there and then we got really involved in like the mental health community, which was great and got to do some really cool things like go to prison and do it with inmates. We did a mental health awareness game with the WNBA, the LA Sparks. So we went down for that and, and yeah, had a lot of really fun opportunities that were presented. And then we got very involved in like the classroom and then, and then COVID hit. And so then that kind of backed out and uh, now it's uh, something that sadly has been like on the side burner for a little too long but there's still you know sets to be sold and we still have them around the house and we'll see if it pops back up have you ever tried you know these cards with um sales folks with sales teams i've done it for like team building stuff before because exactly that's the whole point is just like you break down all your barriers and you just get to know each other and to your like point there i think people work well together or better when they understand each other if you don't really know that person, you know, it might not be as collaborative as if you feel like you do know them because you shared some sort of experience together. So yeah, I've done it for team building before. I used to also ask a few of the questions in there during interviews that were just more like personal, just to kind of see like what their response would be. Sometimes people would, you know, really open up and sometimes it was very just kind of canned. So I thought mm -hmm. it was fun. Outside of that, I haven't kind of weeded it into the sales world that much. Got it. I think Matt, this is probably um, one of my last questions for you. And yeah, it kind of makes sense given what you've just shared, what is really the number one impact that you want to drive in the world? I'd say, yeah, it, it would tie to, to pair for sure. And it was just, you know, to create a more positive, communicative environment for everybody, uh, whether that's in their, you know, work life or their personal life. But just, you know, letting everyone know that there's a lot of support out there for people. My One of my favorite things, and we talk about it all the time, especially when people are starting up companies, is, is how many people out there are really trying to be helpful. And I think a lot of people just don't think to ask, but there's a lot of people out there that want to help. So I guess just letting everyone know that and also being one of those people that hopefully can help others advance in their, you know, personal or uh, career. And so, you know, most exciting thing for me and, and what I love the most about being in sales development, like leadership is, is like seeing people, you know, gradually get better each and every day and then move on to the next thing. Like that's my, most, like, I'd rather see someone get promoted and do really well than, you know, sort of anything else in this role. Like that's what really gets me going. Got it. Thanks so much, Matt. I think this has been an amazing conversation. I know we could go on and on, but yeah, I guess we'll cap it for now. Thanks so much for taking our time for this. Yeah, absolutely, Kushal. I appreciate you getting this on the calendar and I'm really excited to see how it ends up.